Sorry. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Black history is American history. Well, at least black history is a part of American history, a significant part. The origins of Black History Month go back to the influential historian Carter Woodson, who dedicated a week starting on February 7, 1926, to the study, teaching, and remembrance of African American history in America. But today, black history has all but left history by the wayside. In fact, it's been more accurately become a propaganda battlefield filled with ideological charges and attacks on the the country itself, on our founders, and on the very principles that founded the country. All things from America's past are being labeled racist. But the true story of black history in America has virtually been forgotten, ignored, or covered up, repositioned in order to carry on a different agenda to divide the country. But America's story isn't one uh, primarily of slavery, but of the defeat of slavery. It isn't one of oppression, but a victory over oppression. Yes, indeed, there has been oppression all over the world historically. No question about it. There's been oppression in Africa, oppression in Israel, oppression in Russia, oppression in uh, Canada even this very day. Oppression everywhere. But America's story, yes, it does contain some of those elements, But what differentiates America from all of those other places is that our story isn't one that left us in slavery, but has been moving amazingly, amazingly fast, that is, in the light of history, to the defeat of slavery. And it isn't one of oppression, but victory over oppression, moving progressively or moving directly against the whole idea of oppression. May there still be elements of oppression? Yes. May there still be elements of uh, not slavery, but uh, similar kinds of things and the fallout from it? Yes. Will you find those things all over the world? Yes. Are they located primarily in America? No. In fact, there is a reason why... America is the number one place where people from around the world want to come. And that reason is because they see America's story as dramatically different than the rest of the world. They see hope. They see freedom. They see deliverance from oppression and slavery. And they see the promise, not only of progress, but of principles and freedom for all. Today on Viewpoint, we're going to take a look at the hidden black history. I'm glad that you've joined us. It's conversation, as always, with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms, and I trust that today will be very, very helpful. We're going to talk about a lot of things. There are many things that we could talk about that we're not going to talk about, but we are going to take a look at the hidden uh, black history history. Now, in order to do that, 
we need to uh, to look at a number of different things. But before we get into those specifics, I just want to share a little bit of my own memory, my own connection with black history. I'm not black. No, I'm not black. But when I went to school, and I went to 26 different schools across the country, believe it or not, that's true, 26 different schools, north, south, east, west, and Here is my memory. I learned such wonderful songs as Go down Moses, way down in Egypt's land. Tell old Pharaoh, let my people go. Paul Robeson sang that song. Oh, I think of the sister act. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day when Jesus washed my sins away. Or maybe, Lord, I want to be a Christian in my heart. Lord, I want to be a Christian in my heart, and so on. Or how about Ethel Waters singing, His eye is on the sparrow, and I know, I know, He watches me. So it's not just a matter of being up for the struggle, my friends. It's a matter of looking at amazing grace, as Aretha Franklin sang. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. And then I think of some of those songs out of the ancient past in the South here in our country. Old Man River. He just keeps rolling along. Those are songs that I have deeply embedded in my memory. All these years later. Why are those songs deeply embedded? Because it helped me to understand the realities of black history earlier on in our country. But having been able to understand the realities of black history earlier on in our country, it helps me to better understand and appreciate where all of that has gone today. And the amazing grace that has been administered in this country to heal and restore that which was oppressive. It's amazing. It's just amazing. And so I have a very favorable feeling and and look at black history, not because I affirm the things that went on that were inhuman. Yes, indeed, I would say ungodly, even though the Bible itself mentions slavery, not even always in a negative way, because slavery has been endemic to the entire history of the planet not just America. In fact, the slavery in America was far less in many respects than that that took place under Islamic rule. So what's the problem? How is it that we can look or relook at this matter of history and gain perhaps a better, more wholesome, 
more hope-filled understanding of where we are today as compared with the past. You see, if we keep looking at the past, we will probably have no future. That's become the problem of the Democratic Party, always leading the black folk in our country to the past, dragging them back to the past to remove all sense of hope for the future, unless, of course, you depend upon the largesse of the Democratic Party. That, my friends, is slavery. There's no other way to talk about it. It's slavery. And as you take a look, as we take a look here in the next segment of this program, you're going to see just how deeply that slavery has been embedded in the history of the Democratic Party to compel every black American into oppression. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Today we're going to look at a hidden part of black history. And because we're going to look at a hidden part of black history, we are going to hopefully open the door to a much more positive future for black Americans. They're actually Americans with more melatonin in their skin, melanin in their skin. Because ultimately, from an American viewpoint, there is no such thing as a hyphenated American. That's one of the amazing things about America. Who has created the hyphenated aspects of America? The Democratic Party. I'm sorry, but we just need to tell the truth. That party has brought the spirit of hyphenation to our country. Why? Because it helps to divide so that they can conquer politically. You've heard the phrase divide and conquer. So if you have black Americans or African Americans, and then you have Latino Americans, and you have Asian Americans, how about just Americans? Now, when I grew up, that's how I viewed Americans. There was no such thing in that day and age, back in the 1950s, as hyphenated Americans. It was conceived of as a way to bring dominion and control to divide and conquer our country. And when you can divide people against one another, you can control them. And you can create fears and animosities that weren't necessarily there. Or you can exacerbate those fears and answer my, uh, uh, those problems. So, 
Let us take a look now at a bit of the political background. Are you ready for this? Are you sure? The Republican Party on the national level was started by several anti-slavery Democrats who had tired of their party's ardent pro-slavery position. Did you hear that? The Republican Party was started by several anti-slavery Democrats who had gone tired of their party's ardent pro-slavery position. Democrats supporting slavery as well as the Dred Scott Supreme Court decision, which states that blacks were not persons but property. The early platforms of the Republican Party consisted of two issues, ending slavery to give equal rights to blacks and the support of traditional marriage opposing polygamy. The first national Republican platform, Republican Party platform, was a short document with only nine planks in the platform. But interestingly, six of the nine planks set forth declare bold declarations of equality and civil rights for African Americans based upon the principles of the Declaration of Independence. Another surprising fact was that the Ku Klux Klan was started by Democrats for the purpose of opposing Republicans. Did you know that? In 1870, the 15th Amendment to the Constitution was passed, which guaranteed specific voting rights for black Americans. The vote went like this. 81% of Republicans and 0% of Democrats voted for the 15th Amendment. Zero out of 56 Democrats voted for voting rights for blacks. Zero. None. No Democrats voted for voting rights for blacks. And yet they claim, they're screaming and hollering, that all they're interested is in voting rights for blacks. It's not true. What they're interested in is using voting to control blacks. During Reconstruction, Republicans passed 23 civil rights laws which fully integrated juries, voting, and education in 1866, 1870, 1871, and 1875. Not another civil rights law was passed between 1875 to 1964. Why? Because in 1876, Republicans lost control of the Senate. Then in 1893, Democrats regained control of Congress and the presidency. They worked to repeal the 14th and 15th Amendments, to take away voting and civil rights from blacks. In 1896, the Supreme Court, also controlled by Democrats, reaffirmed segregation. Are you beginning to get the picture here? This is real history. This isn't the phony history. This isn't the history that they want to try to get you to believe so that they can bring more control and oppression 
so that you will be forever a slave to the Democratic Party and the largesse that they vote from Congress. In 1875, the Republican Congress banned all segregation. In 1875, friends, the Republican Congress banned all segregation. But in 1882, the Supreme Court struck down that law. The Supreme Court, controlled by Democrats. In those days, Democrats opposed African-American education. They did not want it at all, especially not mixed schools. The Ku Klux Klan was started to oppose Republicans. The reason more blacks than whites were lynched by the KKK was that all blacks were Republicans and were easier to recognize than the whites. In the 1880s, no less than 11 different tactics were used to keep blacks from voting in the Democrat-controlled South. Literacy tests. Poll taxes. White-only primaries. Gerrymandering to ensure only a small number of the black population in each district could vote. Who did that? The Democrat Party. In 1921, Republicans introduced an anti-lynching bill, but House Democrats filibustered to defeat it. Congress never was able to pass an anti-lynching bill because of it. Democrats killed it every time it was introduced, and it was introduced dozens of times. After the 1954 U.S. Supreme Court ruling in Brown v. Board of Education mandating desegregation of public schools, Southern Democrats stood in the way. They said, no way. Democrat governments all over the South said, no way are we going to allow blacks in our schools. So let this sink in for a minute. During the time of the Civil Rights Movement in the 1960s, there was not one Republican governor or state legislature legislator in the South. Not one. Democrats controlled every Southern state. It was a Democrat governor who called out the dogs and used fire hoses to stop civil rights demonstrators in Selma, Alabama. Remember? It was Democrat governors in Georgia, Mississippi, Louisiana, and the entire South that opposed desegregation and civil rights legislation. But here's one of the most astounding things. One of the most astounding facts is about the 1964 Civil Rights Act and the 1965 Voting Rights Act. You would think that since blacks were nearly all Democrats by 1964, that Democrats supported civil rights during modern history. You would be absolutely wrong. Democrat President Lyndon B. Johnson, LBJ, tried to get the Civil Rights Acts through the Senate. He couldn't do it. Why? Because the Democrats controlled both the Senate and two-thirds of the House, and they wouldn't allow it. Interesting, isn't it? So LGB, LB, <laughs> LBJ, Lyndon Bain Johnson, couldn't get a Civil Rights Act through Congress. 
He couldn't even get it through the Senate Judiciary Committee that was controlled by Democrats. So here's what he did. He went to the Republicans for help. Republican Senator Everett Dirksen of Illinois came to his aid. In the end, only 63% of Democrats voted for the bills. But 79% of Republicans voted in favor of them. Not one Southern Democrat voted for either of the Civil Rights Acts, even in the 1960s. Are you listening? So the accusations now are, are all those racists that used to be in the Democratic Party have now moved to the Republican Party? No, absolutely not. The same people who are pretending to be against racism are actually provocatively and wickedly pursuing dominion of Democrat-controlled government over minority communities, the black community, the Latino community, and so on, by promising them largesse out of the public treasury. That's how they did it. And LBJ conceived of that wicked idea because they could not get control over the black community. He said, this is how we're going to do it. So the true story of black history in America has been forgotten, ignored, or covered up. It's true. Now that's the political aspect. But there are many other aspects. Now, I'm opposed to racism. I don't know of anybody that's in, that's supportive of racism. Black, white, green, or whatever your color might be. I don't know of anybody that's supportive of racism. Whether it comes from whites or blacks. But friends, when you're promoting the division of the society in order to achieve a breach in the society so that you can control certain elements of the society, what you have actually done is conceived of an even more wicked way to keep minority people groups under oppression and slavery, economic slavery, voting slavery, There's no empowerment that's involved here. It's radical and total deception, and it's pure wickedness. Now, what has happened as a result of this? The black family has deteriorated dramatically. So when we look at the statistics that are taking place in America today, what we're looking at in many respects, in fact, in most respects, is the effect of the Democrat Party over a century or more, a century and a half, seeking to frustrate and prevent the true elevation and opportunity for black people, Latin people, and so on in our culture 
for the purpose of keeping them under political control. In other words, creating a permanent voting base. I have in my hands right now the cover of Ebony Magazine. This came out November 2011. It's called the Black America Survey. In this copy of the magazine is a a special article called Dawson's Vow. A marriage maven wants black Americans to tie the knot. Her name is Diane Dawson, organizing community leaders to educate black Americans on the benefits of marriage. Why was she doing this? Because marriage has fallen into almost total destruction in the black community. And we're going to see the fallout from that. You see, we're looking at real black history now. Not phony black history, real black history. And then we're going to point the direction to what to do about it. There is hope if we'll do anything about it. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. We could call it real black history. We could call it true American history involving the black community. Or we could call it hidden black history. You pick the title. But today we're focusing on things that nobody wants to talk about. It's the things that we don't talk about that are the most important things. And that's what you can expect us to talk about on Viewpoint. Because viewpoint does determine destiny. Our viewpoint does determine our destiny. And if we refuse to look at the real facts, then we have no hope. A people who don't remember history are doomed to repeat it. A people who intentionally refuse to remember history are doomed to repeat it. Let me share with you uh, some uh, quotes here that I think will be very, very helpful and instructive. Abraham Lincoln, remember this is President's Day coming up. The first Republican president, Abraham Lincoln, referenced the Dred Scott decision in his inaugural address. In other words, he made it a priority. It was March 4th, 1861. He said, if the policy of the government upon vital questions affecting the whole people is to be irrevocably fixed by decisions of the Supreme Court, the instant they are made, the people will have ceased to be their own rulers. So what he's saying is the Supreme Court was never intended to be the final arbiter of truth 
or of law. Otherwise, it becomes a dictator. And in fact, that's exactly what had happened through the Dred Scott Act. The Supreme Court had made, had declared black people non-persons. So Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation two years later, January 1st, 1863. But Congress considered it an overreach of presidential power. Lincoln supported the Republican Congress and therefore passed the 13th Amendment, abolishing slavery. And that was effective December 6th, 1865. But once Southern Democrats were forced to free their slaves, they then attempted to re-enslave them by passing black codes. Now, those former slaves, these black codes, required former slaves to be apprenticed to employers and be punished if they left. In other words, they became subjected to employers who had absolute control over them. In many cases, the fate of sharecroppers was little better than slavery. Black codes, listen to this, black codes were also called Jim Crow laws. Referring to an 1828 New Orleans Riverboat song called Jump Jim Crow, in which a black-faced performer appeared in a mocking caricature and danced, wheel about and turn about and do just so. Every time I wheel about, I jump Jim Crow. Well, many Democrat black codes prohibited blacks from owning guns, such as in Mississippi in 1865, where it said no freedman, Negro, or mulatto shall carry or keep firearms or ammunition. On November 22nd, 1865, Republicans denounced Mississippi's Democrat legislature for enacting black codes as they institutionalized discrimination. On February 5th, 1866, Republican Congressman Thaddeus Stevens introduced legislation to give former slaves 40 acres and a mule. But, are you listening? But Democrats opposed it, led by President Andrew Johnson. On April 9th, 1866, Republicans in Congress overrode President Johnson's veto and passed the Civil Rights Act of 1866, conferring rights of citizenship on freed slaves. Who's doing all this, friends? Republicans. To force southern states to extend the rights of state citizenship to former slaves, Republicans passed the 14th Amendment. On May 10, 1866, in the House, U.S. House, and June 8, 1866, in the Senate. One hundred percent of Democrats voted against the 14th Amendment. What was it about again? To grant citizenship to former slaves. One hundred percent of the Democrats voted against it. You want to know where truth lies? We need to learn a little bit more about our history, friends. Don't look to the public schools to teach you this, because they've all bought in to the revision of American history. 
the Republican Party did everything possible to try to remedy the past and restore hope, rights, property, a future for blacks who had been enslaved in America. The Democrats voted against it almost entirely. Republican Congressman John Farnsworth of Illinois stated on March 31st, 1871, the reason for the adoption of the 14th Amendment was because of discriminating legislation of those states by which they were punishing one class of men under different laws from another class. Along with Jim Crow laws, Southern Democrats attempted to keep former slaves from voting. On January 8th, 1867, Republicans granted voting rights to former slaves in the District of Columbia by overriding President Andrew Johnson's veto. This is history, friends. This is the hidden history of black America. On July 19, 1867, Republicans passed more legislative legislation protecting voting rights of all freed slaves, again after overriding President Andrew Johnson's veto. And on it goes. The Republican Congress, June 22, 1870, created the U.S. Department of Justice for the purpose of safeguarding civil rights against Democrats in the South. Who created the Department of Justice? Republicans, not Democrats. For what purpose? Because Democrats were doing everything they could to keep blacks enslaved. The Republican Congress passed another Enforcement Act, February 28, 1871, which provided federal protection for black voters. Who provided federal protection for black voters? Republicans. The Republican Congress enacted the Ku Klux Klan Act of April 20th, 1871, outlawing the Democrat-affiliated intimidation group which oppressed and terrorized black neighborhoods. The secret group took its name from Kuklos, the Greek word for circle. A black Republican civil rights leader in Philadelphia was Octavius Cato, an eloquent intellectual trained in classical languages. He was repeatedly threatened for advocating for equality. Cato was murdered by a Democrat Party operative on October 10, 1871. Republican President Ulysses S. Grant deployed U.S. troops on October 18, 1871 to combat violence against African Americans. And so on. I don't want to go into further of that because you can see the history. If you can't see that, you're blind in one eye and refuse to see out of the other. But let's talk about things uh, closer to home, so we speak. Our relationships. In the uh, Ebony Magazine cover story, The Black American Survey, a woman by the name of uh, Dawson, Diane Dawson, wrote an article, and she said, of all the statistics regarding marriage, they are all worse for African Americans. 
She said, we have always valued families in the African-American community. Well, yes and no. Yes, before the Civil Rights Act. Not so much since, since the government under Democrat President LBJ decided to change the entire economy of things and seduce black women to have children, pay them money for having children to refuse to allow the father to stay in the home. That's what he did. In 2001, nearly 7 out of 10 African-American babies were born to unmarried mothers. Pretty bad public policy that, that coordinated that. So as a result... Diane Dawson began organizing community leaders to try to educate black Americans for the benefit of marriage. The problem is that sexual promiscuity had now become normative. It had the government, the Democrat-controlled government, had seduced black Americans away from family commitment and marriage commitment to sexual promiscuity and therefore By this time, over 70% of black children remain born out of wedlock. And more than half of all black marriages end in divorce, the highest divorce rate of all people groups in America. And the abortion rate within black America is over 50%. Now, what do those state, uh, facts tell you? Something out there, whatever it be, has seduced black Americans away from biblical truth while they're attending their churches. So when George Gallup, the pollster, said that black Americans were the most religious group in America. That may be true when it comes to going to church. But when it comes to living out what the Bible actually teaches, not so much. The government seduced them away. Are you listening? We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Today we look at the hidden black history 
We look at a provocative, taking a provocative look at the future of black history, because if history doesn't have a future, things are pretty dim. But what is the future? If we look at what has happened historically through Democrat uh, politicians for the past 150 years, the trajectory is not very positive. In fact, it's not positive at all. It's 100% negative for black America. That does not mean that Republicans are so all-fired righteous and holy. But they have taken, the Republican Party was formed for the purpose of liberating black slaves and has retained that position throughout its entire history to today. What you see through the language The rhetoric of the Democratic Party is not real. It's just rhetoric. It's deceptive rhetoric to deceive black Americans and their pastors and their political leaders to jump on the bandwagon of the Democratic Party to keep that party in power with perpetual promises that we're going to render uh, remedy all your problems and none of those problems ever get remedied. It's all about political power. Now, what is the fallout from this? We're going to take a look at a little bit more of the fallout here in just a moment. But before we do, I want to give you uh, a couple of things, references that I think would be helpful uh, to you. First of all, I want to urge you to seriously consider getting a copy of our book, Renewing the Soul of America. Renewing the Soul of America. Because... In reality, we can talk politics, we can talk about social issues and so on, but the bottom line of it all is our soul and our spirit. That's the bottom line of it all. And if we don't see that, there is no hope. The hope lies in connecting with the answers from God's viewpoint, with the answers that are consistent with the word, will, and ways of God not with political power. And this book, Renewing the Soul of America, will help us all to gain a new and fresh vision based upon hundreds and hundreds of quotations from the past. But in every single aspect of our lives, to gain a vision of hope for the future. I don't know what better we can offer on President's Day and uh, here as we're uh, remembering black history. It's an $18 book, yours for $15. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. You can write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Or you can call us at 1-800-SAVE-USA. In addition... On our website, saveus.org, there are a series of fact sheets. One of them is called A Portrait of the Black Family. I urge you to get a copy of it. Go to the website, saveus.org, print it out. Pass it out to your Sunday school class, your small group, your pastor. 
It was put together beginning in 2005 because I felt that the Lord was putting on my heart a mantle to plead the cause of black America as a white guy. But the things that are quoted in this fact sheet are all from black sources, not a single white source. One black pastor told me, Chuck, I found this fact sheet to be the most powerful tool I have ever found to preach righteousness in my congregation. Why is it that Dr. Julian Hare, director of the San Francisco Black Think Tank, said in Ebony's Magazine, his 50th anniversary edition, that the black family has crumbled more in the last 30 years than it did in the entire 14 decades since slavery? Why do you say that? Because it was true. Why? Look at the statistics, friends. Be prepared to weep. But then be prepared to pray. And then to be prepared to speak. Not keep silence, but speak the truth. Speak the truth in love. Michael Massey, who is a black commentator, wrote this. Blacks, their own worst enemy. Black America does does have a negative image problem. Uh, one that uh, those blacks who feign insult at the slightest perceived insult do little or nothing to change. While demanding not just a pass, but acceptance for of their aberrant antisocial behavior, the Jacksons, the Sharptons, and other race mongers cash in on it, while those engaging in the eruption, eructation of victimhood further marginalize themselves. Blacks are inculted from the womb to believe that whites, especially conservatives, are out to get them. Living under that burden creates a debilitating vestige of rage, resentment, and inferiority. In reality, whites, apart from liberals who trade on black immiseration, are not interested in holding blacks down or treating them unfairly. In no way do they reference blacks in the same disparaging way that blacks do to themselves. Sadly, says Michael Massey, a black commentator, Too many blacks don't get it. They eagerly embrace the lies and myths about themselves. In other words, they don't know history. Joyce Kelly, a black author, says father absence decimates black community in U.S. Father absence. She's right. She is literally decimating our communities. We have no adequate response to it. Would you like an adequate response to fatherlessness in the black community? It's very simple. Would you like to know what it is? Don't fornicate. Don't have sex outside of marriage. Stop it. Remember, you claim to be Christians. You're going to church. Then act as if you are Christians. Because fornicators adulterers and practicing homosexuals are not going to inherit the kingdom of God unless they repent. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It's very simple, my friends. Black pastors should be preaching this message with vigor and should hold their congregations to it. You can't keep shucking and jiving over all these issues, playing pretend, playing the game. It's time for somebody to stand up with some backbone and teach and preach the truth. Armstrong Williams made a statement. 
almost 20 years ago. And he said, why don't, why don't blame mothers having babies without husbands? Churches without godly leadership. No moral compass. Government education without values. It's generating a culture of violence threatening to destroy black America. Young black males responsible for more than half of the violent crime in the country yet make up only 12% of the population. Why is this, friends? Fatherlessness. The two primary causes of fatherless are sexual promiscuity, producing unwed pregnancy, and childbirth. And number two, divorce. The black community is so far ahead of all other people groups in this country in those particular categories. Over 70% of the children are born out of wedlock. And that, my friends, is on top of the 50% of children that are conceived who are aborted. And you want to talk about violence? You want to talk about gun control? No, what we need is more self-control. If we want to have any hope, the answers are very, very simple. They're not complex at all. If they were complex, God could not hold you to account. It's simple. You either agree with God's standard for life or not. You either agree with God's standard for marriage and sex or not. It's simple. The number one cause of poverty or the number one and two causes of poverty in America. Divorce and unwed childbirth. It's simple. You want to deal with these problems? Why is it we don't hear any politicians talking about it? Why is it we don't hear the pastors talking about it? Why is it we don't have a conference among black pastors all over this country to rise up in arms and say, enough is enough is enough is enough. We are going to become righteous people. We are going to come out of Egypt. And we're going to stay out of Egypt. Is anybody listening? And then, of course, we have the abominable practice of abortion sponsored by Margaret Sanger and the Negro Project. We're talking about black history, friends, the part that we don't want to talk about. These are the things that make the difference in black America. These are the things that are making a difference in breaking down the family, in destroying marriages, in creating young men who are filling up America's prisons because they haven't got a father. And yet, Margaret Sanger did her best to attract black leadership, pastors, to make up her National Advisory Council, reading like a who's who among black Americans at that time. Claude Barnett, director, Associated Negro Press, 
Dr. Mary McLeod Bethune, President, National Council of Negro Women. Charles Johnson, President, Fisk University. Eugene Kinkle Jones, Executive Secretary, National Urban League. Reverend Adam Clayton Powell, Jr., Pastor, Abyssinian Baptist Church. Bishop David Sims, Pastor, African Methodist Episcopal Church in Philadelphia. Arthur Springer, President, National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. All of these people were choreographed by Margaret Sanger to support her program for black extermination. All under the representation, this is a matter of, you know, just helping uh, Negroes to control birth control, meaning better health. No, it had nothing to do with better health or controlling health. It had everything to do with the complete destruction of the black family and controlling the Negro population. Sheer wickedness, my friends, and black pastors and politicians were at the forefront and still are in the forefront of promoting Planned Parenthood, which was the modern iteration of the Negro Project under Margaret Sanger, a eugenic plan for black Americans. Black leaders have been silent about Margaret Sanger's evil machinations against their community. They've been silent about abortion's devastating effects in their community in spite of a so-called pro-life inclination. Blacks were never taught to destroy their children, even in slavery. They tried to hold on to their kids. Not so much anymore, because the Democratic Party got a hold of them. To completely wipe out the truth of their history so that they would have no hope. I'm about hope, friends. Without hope, we don't have hope. I believe that the things we shared here today, if they are fully understood and embraced, and we change our hearts and our minds in repentance, will bring a whole new hope for blacks in America. Not black America, for America and Blacks in America. Thanks for joining us. Get a copy of the book, Renewing the Soul of America. I think it'll be helpful to you. $15 on our website, saveus.org. Become a partner. Send your gifts by faith, friends, to Save America Ministries. This is tough, tough business. God bless. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.